Tired of asking why? Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast, where we are answering life's most difficult questions. Now, here's your host, Teresa Blaze. Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast. I'm Teresa Blaze, and today we're asking a really interesting question. Should Christians celebrate Hanukkah? Or is that just one of those Jewish things, one of those Old Testament things? The answer might surprise you. But before we get to that, I uh, wanted to do a little bit of housekeeping. And let's start with uh, Unresolved News. As you know, it's been up. And if you've been following it, it's uh, it's getting there. And I actually just yesterday, as of this recording, posted an article. And it is entitled Satanic uh, Occult Pedophilia Openly Glorified. What is that about? You'll have to go there to find out, but I'm telling you, it's, it's a, it is a must read. It is something that every single Christian or follower of Christ or even someone who's considering following Christ needs to be made aware of because just as much as we are working, so are they. So are those that openly oppose and are into the occult and into even worse stuff than that. So please read that. It's important and please share it. You can find that at unresolved.news. Next. I want to talk about the Unresolved Life support page. That is huge. Now, I am not just talking about financial. If you feel led to support us in that way, that's fine. But what I really require is prayer support, guys. I can't do this without that that prayer support. I can't do anything without prayer support because I don't want to step out of God's will. And so I'm asking you guys to keep me in prayer, keep our team in prayer uh, for wisdom because we desperately need it. And with that, she's kind of become our our go-to source on anything uh, Messianic, Jewish, or Hebrew. You uh, you know her as Landra. Mm. Hey, Landra, welcome to the show. Hi. Or welcome back, shall we say. <laughs> Thank you. Good to be here. So um, let's uh, open this with a question. Why should a Christian celebrate Hanukkah? Or should a Christian celebrate Hanukkah? We've got Christmas. And that's about Christ's birth. So why bother with this other one? Well, uh, I think we have to to find out if, if Hanukkah was even mentioned in the Bible. And, you know, if, if we are Christ followers, uh, then it'd be, it'd be good to do what he does. I think that's how we pattern our life. We want to pattern our life. It is, in fact, mentioned. It is um, the Feast of Dedication. It's mentioned. And it's not mentioned in the Old Testament, actually, because it, it hadn't uh, taken place at that point, but it is mentioned in the New Testament. And it is mentioned um, with only one person in the New Testament, and that's Yeshua. That's interesting. So, so you're saying he actually kept Hanukkah, otherwise known as the Feast of Dedication. Yes, he did. He, he, he at least honored it and respected it um, and was in the temple during that time. So... The question is why? What what is so important about it that he, that even uh, Yeshua or Christ would do that? Well, uh, I believe he knew the importance of it. I believe he knew what it was pointing to. There are many descriptions of the temple, and he was one of them. And he stated, "the, the temple will fall, and I will raise it up again in, in three days." And uh, he, as the temple, uh, this was a picture of, of prophecy. So he is the restoration of the temple himself, and we are the temple. We as the church are the temple. Um, He knew the importance of the cleansing of the temple. I'll also mention briefly in John 2, 
he had cleansed the temple of everything that he didn't like. And then in John 10, where it's mentioned that he's uh, attending during the Feast of Dedication uh, or the Festival of Lights, which is Hanukkah, he could have thrown that out too. I mean, what was going to stop him? If he didn't like something in the temple, obviously he was going to say something. And uh, he did not say anything. He was there. I find that interesting because we know that he uh, are white, uh, didn't like some things in the temple because you find later on in the Gospels him crafting a whip and cleaning some house. Yes. And that's in, it's mentioned in John 2, uh, where he, he went and cleansed that temple. He got it all cleaned out. And uh, then in John 10, a few chapters later, he's, he is back in the temple. And this is occurring in the temple, this festival, this um, holiday. And he, he says nothing against it at all. So he, he sees the importance of it. Okay. So let's actually go back to the history of it. What is this really about? What is Hanukkah really about? Well, there's a legend, which I'll tell you in a minute. Um, and that's about the oil. But the true story uh, goes back. Uh, th- it happened, like I said, between the Testaments. So in this 400-year period where, you know, it is stated that God was silent. Well, you know, he was not silent. Um, there was something very major going on. Uh, I believe it was 167 BC, um, about 200 years before uh, Yeshua. There was a Syrian ruler who took over and he became king of Judah and he became king of the land and his name was Antichas Epiphanes. And that means actually God manifest. So you have to also, as you listen to this story, you have to think prophetically, you have to think what's going on at that time. You can think about Daniel and his prophecy. You can think about um, Jesus or Yeshua and his prophecy of our times. So just let that soak in your head as the story unfolds. But he ruled the area of Judea and um, he ordered that all people, including all Jews, all Israel, uh, they were to worship as he worshiped. And Oh, that went over well. <laughs> well, it's either that or you die. That changed a lot of minds, obviously. Um, so it was, you worship the way I worship, uh, or I tell you to worship, or you die. Um, and he had them, you know, he said, you will not follow your Torah. You will not follow the, your ways of study. You will, sacri- you will sacrifice to my, the gods I put up. Um, and you will forget all of your kosher laws. You will not circumcise your ch- your boys. Basically, he said, all these will stop and you will follow my ways. So he put up these gods, lower G gods, and Zeus in the temple. What happened was, obviously, you know, people were dying because they wouldn't go against the one true God. Jews were dying. Horrible things were happening to the Jews because they were not following this king's decree. There were grotesque things that were happening, the slaughtering, the killing, the killing of, anyway, just, but, and then they were like forcing 
cork down people's throats. I mean, you know, I, we think, okay, well, there's a bacon sandwich or whatever, but <laughs> I'll tell you, it was a complete abomination. And they sacrificed a pig on uh, the altar uh, of the Lord, which is, of course, a complete abomination, just truly defiled the temple. They wanted all that was wrong to be right. And, you know, that kind of is what is going on even today. What's wrong is right and right is wrong. And those that went against him were not accepted. They were not, uh, they had to go into hiding. And those that did accept him received favor, um, became a friend of the king, you know, that kind of thing. Isn't that interesting? That sounds awful like the times of today. You know, evil is called good, good is called evil. And yeah, I mean, I can definitely see the parallels. What happened was many of the Jews, this this took place over several years, but many of the Jews um, saw the benefit, obviously, of siding with this the Greeks. And they said, okay, we we weren't doing so good with without before. So now if we side with this king, we'll get money and fame and you know, we'll actually do well. So let's just side with him. And I'm sure there was, you know, a compromise they placed played in their in their minds and we do that too as as people there was one group and they were called the hellenized jews and there is one man a levitical priest his name was mattathias maccabee and uh, by the way the story is told in first and second maccabees these uh, historical books okay so his name was mattathias maccabee and he had five sons And he drew a line in the sand, basically. And he said, I'm not doing it. And I am not compromising. I've I've had enough and I'm not going to compromise. So one day an official from Antichus Epiphanes, he came and he said to Mattathias, if you will show yourself in the temple, sacrifice to these gods, um, go against all the Jewish beliefs, then you will be called a friend of the king and you'll receive money and honor because they saw that he was a leader in the people. And if he changed his uh, actions, then they would have all of the people because their goal was to kill all the Jews or have them convert. And uh, they were burning scrolls and they were burning, you know, scripture and they wanted to get rid of that word. They wanted it gone. So we have not only the people of the Jews at stake, but we have also the scripture at stake. So the people of God are at stake and so is the scripture. All right. Well, uh, Mattathias said to this official, no, I'm not doing it. And a Hellenistic Jew came up and he said, well, I'll do it. So <laughs> Mattathias took the sword of the official and he killed not only the one who was going to come up and do the sacrifice, but he killed the official as well. And he said to those observing him, follow me, all of you who are for God's law and who stand by the covenant. Whoever is for God, let him follow me. That's what he stated. Maccabees 2.27. So 
they they had to leave. You know, they had to go because he had just killed two people for the name of uh, and the sake of God and the worship. And so he they fled to the mountains and the cave in the caves. And I mean, there was a, a good number that went with them, but there was a huge number against them. All of his army was against them. And they did fight. They learned how to do like, you know, this type of guerrilla warfare kind of stuff. They would attack at night and ambush them. And one neat story is that after Mattathias was older and he was too old to fight, he passed on the charge to his son, Judah, one of his sons, Judah. He was strong and uh, fit for battle. He, He was attacked by some some uh, army guy army official and he took the sword of this uh, army official and used it against him to kill him and then from that point on that was the sword that Judah used so it's almost like you know what god planned or what man planned for evil you know we will use to fight the enemy after three and a half years uh, they captured jerusalem and they captured the temple And so they needed to clean the temple. They wanted to clean the temple out because it had been defiled. So they did. They they cleaned it out and and used it then once again and rededicated the temple on Kislev 25, which, by by the way, was the anniversary of the time when it was defiled. It was first defiled on Kislev 25, and I believe it was three and a half years prior. Wow. That's 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 a definite God's timing. Yeah, so they took it and restored that that time. That is the story, and it all points to, of course, the rededication of the temple, and after it's been defiled, and you know, we we are a picture of the temple, and it also points to the fact that at at some point we're going to have to draw a line in the sand and say enough and fight for the temple of the Lord, which the temple is also Yeshua. The temple is also the church. The temple is also us. The temple is also the future temple, the, the physical temple. I mean, it's, it's, there's many references to the temple, but basically it is the kingdom. It is all a picture of the kingdom. So you fight for the kingdom. Yeah. You know, I mean, first of all, I, um, I find this story very fascinating in the sense of basically there are some guys that, 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 you know, from, from the story who said, you know what, enough is enough and we're not going to cower and bow down to this King. I'm reminded of um, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego who in the face of possible death said, you know what, even if God doesn't deliver us, we're still not going to bow. Amen. They're fighting for the kingdom. They're fighting for something much more than them. They're fighting for the name of of the Lord. If this happened in between the Testaments and Jesus celebrated it, does this mean this is a commanded feast that we are to honor? It is considered a holiday in Israel. It's not one of the commanded feasts. Um, All the commanded feasts are found in the Torah which is um, the first five books of the Old Testament, and they are found in Leviticus 23. They're all listed there. But this is actually simply considered a holiday. But Yeshua uh, 
founded one also to to celebrate. So it's not commanded, but it certainly is a great idea. I can already hear the argument. Well, a Christian celebrates Christmas, which is the the time of Christ's birth. So why should we celebrate? Why why? I mean, okay, yes, Jesus did it, but he was only doing that to fulfill the law. So why should we celebrate it? Uh, you mean he did it to fulfill? He celebrated Hanukkah to fulfill the law. Is that what you're saying? Well, he cel- he celebrated everything that the Jews celebrated, including the feasts and and the other festivals. I think you also have to to think that you know these are not things to do for salvation. These are things to do for our good and instruction for us and part of our abundant life. Uh, so, I, and I, I want to do that. I, I want to do everything he did and he fulfilled the Torah. He did it all perfectly. He, com- he, he was the bullseye for it. The interesting thing also about Hanukkah, and then I'm going to hopefully answer your question. Um, the, the interesting thing about Hanukkah is it is uh, for, for Messianic um, Jewish believers um, and for Torah followers all over the the world, it is considered uh, the moment of conception of Yeshua, bringing the mm-hmm, bringing the light into the world. That is considered the time, and the way we we know that is based on Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, and when uh, he was working in the the temple, we know when his his certain sect of priest, priestlyhood, um, was working in the temple. And so they can backtrack all of these things to when with, with, uh, Elizabeth, his wife, and when she had conceived right after that. And then three months later was Mary. Six months later, Mary comes to her. John the Baptist leaps in, in Elizabeth's womb because Mary has now they have, she has Yeshua the savior of the world within her. So all, all of these, they've kind of backtracked all of these dates and know, and, well, they believe that Yeshua is actually born during the Feast of Tabernacles. And because when he tabernacled among us, and if you backtrack nine months from that, that is during Hanukkah. And uh, it's the festival of lights when the light was brought into the world. There's actually study that during a moment of during the moment of conception, there is actually a, a light that uh, a flicker of light that occurs. Interestingly enough, I have to do more study on that. So Hanukkah celebrates the conception of Yeshua. Christmas celebrates the birth of Yeshua. Both point to Yeshua. One is uh, tracked, if you will, through Levitical dates and all these things. And the other Christmas, you know, is something that uh, made up time. I mean, everybody knows that we can't find Christmas in the Bible anywhere. Um, but it is something that is the world points to for the birth of, of the savior. So the struggle then is, you know, how to, and, and whether we are to honor Christmas, whether we were to honor Hanukkah, um, I believe we're to honor Hanukkah. Um, I don't personally celebrate Christmas, but um, 
all of, well, not all, but most of my friends and family do. And I, I honor their love for the Lord. Now, you mentioned a, uh, a legend around Hanukkah. Do you want to dig into that a little bit? There is the legend, uh, and many think it is actually the reason, but there is a legend, a rabbinical legend, that is when they went in to dedicate the temple, uh, Judah Maccabee, when he went in to dedicate the temple, they were going to light the menorah. And there was only enough oil to last one day uh, of the burning of the menorah. And that's, that's all they found was one, some, one vial. And it takes eight days to uh, consecrate oil. And so uh, to make, make sure it's wholly consecrated. And you see that because of the eighth day always means new, eight. That's why they circumcise on the eighth day. They, so they lit the menorah. And of course, what happened was the oil lasted not just one day, but the entire eight days until new oil was consecrated for use in the temple. And of course, that is the miracle of Hanukkah. And because of that, they eat a lot of fried foods. Everything's about, you see lots of donuts and fried potatoes, latkes, and anything fried. Here's a question. Is it just a legend or is there any facts to actually back that up that that might have actually happened? There are no facts. Um, it is just a legend. It's something that is, is I, I believe, just made up. They point to the eight days as why we have eight branches on the menorah, plus the one in the middle, which is called the servant or the shamash. And I'll explain that in just a second. But really what they believe, the reason why they made it an eight-day holiday, which it is, is because when the temple was rededicated, they had just passed the Feast of Tabernacles, which is interesting because that's when they, we celebrate Yeshua's birth. Anyway, they had just passed the Feast of Tabernacles and they couldn't celebrate it during that time. So they moved or they, they celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles then. Um, there's history of it. I, I believe Solomon had rededicated the temple during the Feast of Tabernacles as well. So they had something to point to. But really, that's what they were doing is, is rededicating the temple and having another festival, another feast for it. Like just kind of reenacting the feast, if, they if you will. So what it is, is the, the menorah itself has nine branches. A regular menorah that you find in the temple has seven. But the one that is made for this holiday, the Hanukkah, has nine. And you have four on one side and four on the other, all stemming out from the center branch, which is called the shamash, which is also called the servant candle. And it is actually taller than the rest of the branches. Now that servant candle is what lights each of the candles each night. And you have to bend down the servant candle to light all of, all of the lights. Um, which is a picture, of course, of Yeshua. And that we don't get our light from ourselves. We get our light from Yeshua. And I, I love that the, the Jews do this and they may or may not know Yeshua. <laughs> I mean, every, everything points to Yeshua, you know. He's in the middle of it all. That, that is lit. And then every night that one is lit, you add, you add of course, every night of the, the holiday, you add another candle. And of course, then the, 
the bright gets brighter each night. And then on the eighth night, it is the brightest. This time is considered the darkest month of the year. So uh, it's also a picture of, of now and prophetically of, you know, we must get brighter as the dark gets darker. So it, it is definitely a picture of that and the restoration of the temple and what comes from the temple, living water. It's a beautiful, beautiful holiday. I really cannot think of any time in our life where we don't need to be thinking about right, rededicating our temple to the Lord. So that's why I think it's a beautiful way for Christians to celebrate. I mean, can you see any drawbacks to doing this? No. Like if a Christian decides, okay, yes, I actually do want to kind of follow in, in my Lord's footsteps, and I'll look into this. Now, uh, as of this recording, Hanukkah will be passed and, and whatnot. You know, mm-hmm. so, but you know, this will be something that you can take note of for uh, for next year. If someone wanted to kind of do their own research and start looking into actual celebration, you need to think about um, who am I? Who am I in the kingdom? I, I think that's something to really think on because I mean that's what I think about when I'm lighting these candles, when I'm talking to my children, when I'm talking to other people. Is okay. We have to be reminded who we are in the kingdom, who we are in Yeshua Messiah. And in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, or do you not know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. We have a huge role to play because we are a temple. And if we are if we are feeling dirty or defiled or, you know, obviously, okay, keep in mind, we are, we are covered by the blood of Yeshua. We are. He is our atonement. But there is still these times, Teresa, when I, I feel dirty in the presence of the Lord, and it's my thinking. I, I need to come, come right with the Lord. And what have I done against you, Father? You know, or or I know I've done this. Cleanse me of this. I mean, it's basically confession and repentance, and that's what the Maccabees led. And of course, all the Jews came back around, and or most of them, and said, "Yeah, that's right. This is what we were fighting for." So there has to be a line in the sand where you say either to those around you, enough's enough, I'm following my God, or even to self, Landra, enough's enough. Follow your God and get right with him. It's time to rededicate your temple because we are not here for our own sake. You know, all the temples in the Bible, there's, there's water flowing from them. Even Yeshua, you know, he, he is this temple there. And in Revelation, the water flows from the temple. In the garden, water flowed out from the garden. There, there, is, there is, it's all temple. We are being rededicated as the temple and eventually as living stones form his temple, even now. So this rededication, it must not happen just on Hanukkah. I mean, this is a daily thing. We, we must... Remember that where where are people to go and find out about Yeshua except at his temple? And we have the living water that flows out from us. We must not let it be hindered. I want to display the light of Yeshua in me. 
I want that displayed without any hindrance. So what if we are to fight for the kingdom and we are to dedicate ourselves because we are the temple of God? What do you think? I mean, I mean, I can think of a few things, but in general, what do you think hinders our work for him? I, I would say for sure sin, obviously. I mean, that's the obvious choice. But I think also not living as set apart people. You know, where are they supposed to run if we're not set apart? You know, where where is the fortress if it's not set apart? You know, where where are people supposed to run if we look like everybody else? There has to be a beacon of hope and displaying the hope of glory within us. But if we are so dirty and we look like the world, then they won't know where to go. And just because we feel safe and secure with Yeshua, well, okay, that's nice. But he didn't say you you stay put and you hide. He said you shine so that others will know where to run. They have to have hope and they have they need to be fed. They need to be uh, given water. They need safety and security and they need to know this love. And if we live our lives with a defiled temple and we look like the rest of the temples in the world, <laughs> you know, with all kinds of lowercase g's, where, where is his, where is his place of refuge? We have to display the temple, which is the place of refuge. He wants his people back. We must rededicate the temple. And I know that's why Yeshua saw the importance of that. Every single day, we must draw a line in the sand we have to declare this is right, this is wrong. We, we have to act the part of holiness, not for salvation issues. That's a done deal. But for the sake of the kingdom and for the glory of the king, that is why we walk as ambassadors saying, the light is here. Come here. Come here. The light shines out in the darkness. The darkness will not overcome it. So we have to walk as beacons of hope the hope of glory within us. You know, maybe they're hearing this and they're like, I'm not sure about all the Jewish part of it, but I know I used to be a Christian. I used to be following and I'm not, I'm not doing so well. Do you have someone to say, or do you have something to uh, possibly say to that individual? Uh, you don't have to be Jewish to know that you're a temple. <laughs> that's, that's the one thing is if you are a believer in Yeshua, in Jesus Christ, son of the living God, and his blood is upon you. You are called a living stone. You are called a kingdom of priests. And you are required to draw a line in the sand. And if your line in the sand is smudged with your footprints, you can draw the line again. And there is something that you have that needs to be displayed. And that is the hope of glory. The temple is alive. It is the beacon of hope for a very dark world. He wants his children back in his house, in his temple. He wants them back. And he is not allowing us to see evil and do nothing. He wants action. And the Maccabees, that term means hammer. And we, hammers, they, they hit, they do, but they also get hit in the meantime. 
every swing of a hammer hits the hammer itself, but the purpose overcomes the pain because the purpose is to knock down walls. The purpose is to build up. There, there are many purposes for this hammer, and we are builders of the kingdom, God's kingdom, not our own kingdom. And so we must walk out with this hammer, and it's truly the sword, the sword of the spirit. We walk out, and we can draw the line in the sand with that sword and say, whoever is for the Lord, come with me, and we fight together. We, we do not live for ourselves anymore. That is all for naught. That is all rubbish. But we walk out uh, for the kingdom. You know, and I and I think in the, in these last days, as I uh, as I have 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 given myself over to uh, keeping people alert based on the the news events and the news cycles that are happening, and keeping people alert uh, uh, as to well, what what why do we want to monitor that? Because it is becoming so clear to me that we are either going to be we are becoming a people divided, and I'm not just talking politically. I firmly believe we are becoming a people divided, a people that are either going to be for the book, Jewish, Christian, or people that are not. And it, you, there used to be a time when you could kind of have a casual, yeah, I like the Bible, it's all right, you know, but I'm just going to do my own thing. But I think that there's going to come a time when you're either going to be openly for or openly against. There is going to be no middle ground. There is more and more... Um intolerance of intolerant people. If you draw a line in the sand, you will not be tolerated uh, by those who, who tolerate are supposed to be tolerating anything. <laughs> so, Which, by the way, is very hypocritical, but that's just me. <laughs> well, it, it is, but um, there has to be truth declared. And the line in the sand is drawn by the sword. So... We walk out as hammers. By the way, that acronym of hammer in Hebrew is who is like you among the powers, oh God. So we walk. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. We walk out declaring that as hammers for the kingdom with, with swords up stating whoever is for the Lord, follow me and becoming light in the darkness. I think that's a good place to, 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 to stop. I mean, I know we are in a battle and that's clear, but I think the question that we want to leave with, are you for God or are you not? And I, I, I just, I, just I, I think that's a good place to, uh, to leave it and let's, and we'll, we'll settle, you know, I, I strongly encourage every single listener, whether you're a Christian or not, settle that in your heart. Who are you serving? Who are you for? And by the same token, who are you against? You've been listening to the Unresolved Life Podcast. To catch all our past shows, go to unresolved.life. That's unresolved.life.